Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Davis and the Jake Man, a monthly podcast hosted by two certified computer technicians. In this month's edition of the podcast, we'll be discussing the tech news for the month of October. Now, should I have said that in like a Count Dracula voice? Eh, 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 welcome to the podcast. Alrighty, Davis, first on the agenda is uh, your tech news from September 26th through the 4th. Did you want to talk about uh, Google's AI first, or do you want me to grab something random and uh, start talking? No, I can discuss uh, the Google AI first. Okay. So yeah, this was actually, most weeks, uh, the way that the tech news works is that you, Davis, uh, hunt down the most pertinent tech news from the past week, and then I sort of edit it to take out uh, things I don't feel are mainstream enough, and then I add in pieces I feel were important and were left out. And then this is one of those pieces that I believe I added in uh, right before the tech news went live. Uh, so yeah, I did find it interesting at the time, and I still do now. AI is one of those segments of the market I feel is kind of in a bubble, in a sense. Like, there's so much hype around it, there's so much interest but I don't feel like it can really do much. It, it's almost, it, you're almost constrained in the ways you, you can use it. Whereas like, you know, I feel like on the hierarchy it goes mouse and keyboard, then multi-touch, and then way at the bottom is voice. Right, the thing with AI is that it's generally separated into two types. You've got your purpose-built AI, things like Siri and Cortana, and then you've got your more general use AI, such as IBM's Watson. Um, we have a, we still have a ton of work to do on the more general AI. Mm. You know, that's that's sort of closer to human intelligence where it can learn all sorts of things. It doesn't have to be built to do chess or, or you know, edit your voice or whatever it is Google's a cooking up. He's a cooking a something up. I don't know. It's one of those things where it's anyone who's tried to use the voice assistant on their phone has been let down by it. It's just that wow factor isn't there. I really feel like you have to be computer illiterate slash elderly to really be impressed by this stuff. Like, it's so bare bones. It's so basic. Like, you know, Siri can tell you the Red Sox score and what the weather is. But if you toss it any query that's more complex, it's going to get tripped up. Yeah. I mean, we've still got a long way to go just in AI. I mean, there's a, there is a ton of hype about, around it. There is a ton of research being done. But we haven't found, really, a killer application for it. I mean, right now, it's just the front end for search engines. Yeah, I mean, and there is a lot of, like, apprehension among, you know, like, the average Joes uh, that, like, you know, the bots are coming for our jobs. Y2K. And that, like, one day soon, it's going to be bot Davis and the cyborg man. You know, computers are, 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 are going to record, edit, and upload podcasts all on their own. Yeah, they took our jobs. That's right, that damn bot Davis. <laughs> so yeah, in the article, Google's AI scored about twice as much as Siri. Uh, which is, you know, somewhat impressive. But then again, I mean, that's what about the, uh, the IQ of a six-year-old child? I mean, I'm surprised that the gap wasn't larger, honestly. Uh, you know, it it's like sort of a double-edged sword in a sense, this policy Apple has with respect to privacy. Like, I feel like it's great that they value their users' privacy, but at the same time, 
you know, since all that information is siloed, they, they can't use it to arm Siri with more knowledge. The Google Assistant is pulling from such a larger database of knowledge that it can answer a lot more questions just because it knows more about the person asking that question. Right, it's got access to your doc, your sheets, your calendar, your mail. Your nudes. No, that's news. Google News, not Google Nudes. Although I'm sure... That's in beta. I have an invite. (laughs) On a more serious note here, there's a bunch of stuff going on with graphics cards. It's like hard to buy certain ones. Can you uh, lend us some insight on that? Yeah. Um, Graphics cards in the past... um, About past year or so have been steadily getting harder to come by, especially on um, popular sites such as Newegg. Um, Right now we've actually got a shortage in memory chips. Uh, I believe both... NAND and uh, I think the other one is MAMR. We've got a shortage in all kinds of memory chips, so of course we can't make as many graphics cards to fit demand. Um, The thing is, a lot of people are buying up graphics cards and using them for mining cryptocurrency. Such as Dan the JM coin. Yep. Which you've successfully forked into just D coin. Yes. And in a great slap to the the great slap to your face, the uh, D coin is worth more. It's also more volatile, because whereas my cryptocurrency is consistently worth zero dollars, yours is sometimes worth more than that and sometimes less. You're you're actually in debt at times if it's worth less than... At times, yes. But, um, yeah. It's it's mostly been affecting the mid-range graphics cards, not so much the high-end, like, server class stuff, but um, things like the GTX 1060, the Radeon RX 570s, 580s, um, as the the companies just can't make enough to meet demand because of these cryptocurrency miners, because they're just buying up tons of them, they're mining them out, they're actually burning them out and then reselling them on eBay, and things like that. You know, real shady practice. Graphics cards use GPUs, which are more oriented for our floating point operations, which are heavily used with games and physics. Those floating point operations or flops. Are are usually what's advertised on the on the graphics card, like you know, so many teraflops. Yeah, like I I remember the the 1050 Ti ha, has the same a teraflops as the original Xbox One, if that means anything. Right. I I guess you could use your Xbox One to mine cryptocurrency. <laughs> well, I could, except I can only use apps from the Windows Store. So first, I would I wouldn't eat. I mean, I'm not gonna hold my breath for. Uh, Bitcoin mining app because they still don't have like Firefox or a BitTorrent client. <laughs> but I mean, it looks like the um, the graphics card market market is cooling off. Um, a big problem was that because demand was so high, inflation set in, so you're paying like an extra twenty, thirty, forty dollars for the same graphics cards. Yeah, like that happened with the Apple AirPods for a long time. That's actually. Uh, I paid for the hosting for our website for like three years <laughs> by uh, buying the AirPods, reviewing them for our site, and then t- telling them for more than they were worth. Yeah. So, you know, uh, TLDR, I'm a terrible person, but that's not exactly news. Yeah. So, I mean, the the, the timing of this article, this one came out uh, September 29th. Uh, I guess that's close enough within our... Uh, our whole October tech news thing, but um, at the time, Newegg actually was selling a graphics card 
just one card in stock for its suggested price. <laughs> Which I guess was a sign of things to come. Um, I've actually been browsing at a couple of uh, local unnamed electronic stores and actually seen a few cards at regular retail price. So two months later, I guess it's still holding true that things are starting to cool down. So hopefully I don't have to pay an extra $50 for a graphics card. Oh, yeah, because you're looking upgrade from a 1050 to a 1050 Ti, right? Yeah. Uh, from a 750 to a 1050 Ti. Oh, from a 750, okay. Yeah, I'm a couple generations backward. I forget what card I even have. I mean, I built my PC just a few months ago. It's it's sad. I should know that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's only one game that I really want the graphics card for, and I can't drop $150 plus the price of the game just yet. I mean, you could always pull a Jake Man and pirate the game and then play it at, like, 640p. <laughs> 640p at 30 frames a second. Or 24 frames for that real cinematic experience. And then, um, well, since we're sort of talking about cryptocurrency, um, Showtime uh, was actually in the news because uh, Showtime's websites were uh, hijacking user users' browsers to mine cryptocurrency. I feel like we talked about that. Possibly? Did we? It's funny how this news is, like, cyclical in a sense, you know? Like, yeah. it'll happen once and you'll be like, oh, what's, what are the odds of that? And then a few weeks later, it's the same thing. Yeah, because this particular article was posted around the 23rd. So, ah, um, I have a 1050 Ti. The Phoenix Edition from Asus. I was going through my Amazon order history while we were talking. Sorry. <laughs> uh, 1050 Ti Asus half-size card. So not two fans. But I had to get it to fit. It's like, you know, if you buy the... I, I made the mistake of picking my case and then working backward. I feel like you should pick your components and then pick the case last. Yeah. But I was like, I want this case because it'll fit. It, I had to fit it in that in that space in, in my desk. That's the only reason. It's like I had this... Sp I had no use for that room. I was like, what can fit in here? I'm like, oh, dude. Like, uh, a mini ITX case. So sure enough, I, I found one. Uh... Bought the case used, actually. Don't buy PC parts used. You're, you're, in, you're in for a bad time. Because, like you said, people will turn them around after they've burned out. But the case, you know. Yeah. What, I didn't even, it didn't even come with the PSU, so there was really no danger. But, uh, yeah. Alright, so, Showtime. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Showtime was in trouble because uh, two of its domains, uh, Showtime.com and ShowtimeAnytime.com, uh, were actually hijacking... Uh, people's web browsers and mining Bitcoin. I mean, that's just a whole new level of, uh, you know, people, you know, just ads. I mean, for these companies to start. I mean, ad blockers have become so prominent, but, you know, using your, your users to mine cryptocurrency just because of their ad blockers or because actually since this article... Uh, was posted back in September. I mean, this whole thing has uh, sort of exploded. There's actually a few other sites that have been caught. Um, I'm gonna see if I can find a list. We aren't on there, right? I hope not. Uh, you're the okay. you're, you're the admin. Hey, the official title on on our website is Webmaster. Thank you very much. 
I am the graphic designer, webmaster, and editor in chief. You haven't mastered anything. Fine. I am the web novice. The web noob. The web noob. But yeah. The web scrub. All right, go on. But yeah, the uh, the most prevalent cryptocurrency mining code provider is uh, called CoinHive, um, and of course, there's already clones. But um, yeah, so far, more than 220 sites, mostly porn sites like uh, like uh, Jake Man's. Hey, hey. <laughs> And uh, torrent trackers. Is it just by visiting the site? Do you have to click on something? If you, uh, you had, if you had a, a firewall or what is it called? Uh, antivirus software? Would that? Um, not necessarily for you? because it's actually JavaScript. Oh. Most of the time, your antivirus isn't going to block JavaScript. So like the no, so like the extension slash add-on NoScript might be like your yeah. best bet. Might stop it. Okay. But um, the actual malware, if, if you could consider it malware because it's kind of a fence case um i mean it runs in javascript well it's, it's one of those things where it's non-consensual right. so that's what makes it nefarious right like it's just like i was saying like if showtime like showtime would, would never do this because they're a big corporation but like if they were like strapped for cash and you'd be like hey guys can you help us mine some bitcoin <laughs> so we can pay pay the rent you know, and people were like, sure, that's another story entirely. I mean, but, it's also, in that case, it could become, like, another crowdfunding platform, almost like Kickstarter or Fig. Right, yeah, because, like, I mean, most people aren't utilizing the full resources of their system. So if they want to lend those out to someone who can monetize them, I don't find anything wrong with that. So yeah. along, so And that's how we get a botnet. You know, I've been joking about this for, like, a year, but Christmas is, again, around the corner. Yeah, okay, so I feel like we kind of beat the dead horse with the Showtime stuff. Yeah, they're jerks. The Pirate Bay is jerks. The Pirate Bay, I feel like, are less tricky because, uh, like, they really, you know, have a lot of costs they've incurred, which they necessarily might not be able to pay for, whereas Showtime is a multi-million dollar corporation who can certainly pay its bills and doesn't need to do this kind of sneaky stuff. But it doesn't make it right that the Pirate Bay did it either because it all comes down to consent. If you get the permission of the people, it's fine. If you don't, it's not. Did you perform Bitcoin mining? You'll need a separate form for that. Now, look to your left. Look to your right. Both of these people will utilize your system to mine Bitcoin. <laughs> uh, yeah, again, the end of September. A uh, Taiwanese iPhone 8 Plus owner claimed that her device split open while being charged with the supply cable and plug adapter. So, of course, she posted photos on social media. Apple responds takes the phone back I mean you know it's not even really an explosion aren't all rechargeable batteries like a ticking time bomb like yes like there's a non-zero chance that any given lithium-ion battery will explode at any point in time yes that's why the post office asks you are there any batteries in here because it's like you know blah, 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 boom and we hold these things to our face I mean we, we hold them like less than a foot away from our private parts so, like, just, just think about that. You think this is just some, like, rando Samsung fanboys trying to be like, See, Apple explodes too. <laughs> no, I think it was just it was just one phone that failed the yeah. quality assurance check over in Taiwan. All right, so that's probably it for the September 26th to October 4th news. Yeah, we move on now to my tech news, October 5th through the 10th. I guess we'll kick things off, uh... You know, you could tell I was doing the new solo because there's a lot of Microsoft stuff in here. Now it's officially dead. 
What's dead? Microsoft? No, their Windows Phone 10 platform. Presenter of theirs, a really upbeat, sort of flamboyant guy there. What's his name? Uh, whoever. It, here, here it is. Joe. Joe Belfiore, that's it. He's kind of like well-known in the, the Windows Phone community as being like an energetic proponent of the platform. His, his optimism is sort of celebrated in that community. And he just randomly tweeted that like, it's over. It's dead. He didn't even make a formal announcement or press release. He just tweeted about it. You know, this uh, operating system, he's been heavily involved in developing for like five years. He's just like, eh, hashtag dead. <laughs> so yeah, that's it. It's It'll only get uh, bug fixes and security updates. Uh, it's Rip. a shame. Rip. I mean, again, the thing is that there just was no developer support. Yeah, I mean... I still want a Windows phone, but it's it's sitting in my dresser for a reason, you know? Like, I just wanted the apps, man. Like, I, you know, needed a good Slack client to talk with you. My Facebook Messenger app wouldn't send me a notification when I got a new message. It was, like, because it hadn't been updated in six months. Yeah, it's just that, that, that kind of thing. Uh, all right, so there was a second piece of Microsoft news I had. Uh, oh, yeah, it also is related... Uh, in a sense, to Windows Phone stuff. There was a Windows Phone that was supposed to come out in 2014, actually, uh, that was going to have a, like, uh, a near bezel-less design. So imagine how much different the market would have been if Microsoft beat uh, Essential, Samsung, and Apple to you know the punch by years. Like We see all these bezel-less phones coming out now. There was uh, like a Xiaomi, I think it was, came out with one last year and then sharp with their aquos phone i think that was 2015 so they would have beaten everyone to the punch and i think it made would have made a huge splash but the fact of the matter is it was shelved for whatever reason uh and you know what if all right tech companies are laying their own undersea cables it was posted in october but it's covering something that happened in September, which is to say that Facebook and Microsoft had an agreement. They've been working together a lot, actually. I think it's because they they see Amazon and Google as their main adversaries. So it's sort of like the enemy of my enemy is my friend type of thing. The news is that they ran a bunch of cable going from Virginia to Spain. Um, so that's just a faster way to get data from Europe to America and vice versa. Uh, Microsoft, you know, they've sort of, sorry, not Microsoft, rather Facebook has sort of saturated the American market. Like everyone who's on, who's going to be on Facebook in the States is on Facebook now. Like there isn't a lot of room for growth here. Like you're either on Facebook or you're not, you're one of these, you're like a geezer or you're privacy minded or you're so hip. You're only on Snapchat. You, you either fall into one of those camps or you're on Facebook, at least here, here in America, but in places like Spain, you know, the adoption rate is a lot lower. Uh, so they see an in there. So they invested in running this cable. And, uh, you know, they, they, they hope that it pays off. And so, like, Spain is kind of in the crapper in terms of its finances. I think they got, like, 25% unemployment there still. Hmm. You know, I mean, more time for siestas, I guess. But uh, <laughs> More time for Facebook. Siesta. <laughs> what do they call it there? Cabeza Libro, right? I don't know. Facebook? Uh, yeah, so, like, what if the government of Spain were to collapse? 
Like, they were in the news recently because, like, didn't, like, a, a province want to secede or something like that? Something like yeah. that. Yeah. So, like, things aren't great there. I could envision, you know, a scenario in which a strong man comes to power and democracy, as it's known in Spain, evaporates. Like, what if they want to in- enact, you know, forceful tolls on Facebook and uh, and Microsoft? How, how would that work? I mean, we'd probably appeal it. They'd probably deny the appeal, and then they'd either cut the and we'd we'd probably end up just cutting our our losses. Honestly, I mean it's it's another business venture. It's got to have some amount of risk. That's true. I and mean they can monitor traffic. They can inject ads, much like a government. It's actually very recent, but I wanted to go out of order here just because I feel like this is heavily linked to our to what we just finished talking about. Okay. So uh, it, it's from the. 24th through the 30th, it's publishers might have to start paying Facebook if they want anyone to see their stories. Now, this hits home for us because we're constantly being nagged by Facebook to pay for a boosted post. Like I get the notifications on my phone like twice a day. It's obscene. And it just goes to show you that like, like, like this is their end game. Like if you want to operate on those platforms, you got to pay to play. So if they have utter control over like the hard connections... Like, like, that's just sort of, like, game over in a sense. Like, Mark Zuckerberg wins if he controls the, you know, all layers of the OSI model from 1 up to 7, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, you know, there's, like, a Facebook router out there eventually or something, you know? Just right. so they can get every layer. Yeah. And then, I mean, among... I mean, there were the allegations that... uh Facebook influenced the uh, the the 2016 election. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> that right. In a year, fake news. Yeah, there was yeah there was constant allegations from the left uh, that he allowed or his company allowed uh, Russian ads to be displayed, which may have influenced voters, convincing them subconsciously to stay home or to or to vote red. Yeah. Now the. It's like we talked about last month. The burden of the proof falls on the accuser. That very well may have been the case. And, you know, personally, as a conservative, I'm willing to accept that as a possibility. I'm not ruling it out. But the people who are pointing fingers need to show some hard proof or they're just full of crap. Right. I mean, Facebook actually has a history of being caught with, like, in, you know, being caught or admitting to different psychological, like, tests and research. And these are just ones that they admit to. So what... Are they not admitting to? That's the real question. But I mean, yeah. there was um, there was that research they did on affecting somebody's mood, where if you saw depressing Facebook posts, you are more likely to be depressed. Things like that. That's why you don't follow Beej on Facebook anymore. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. The man is a walking. The, the man is a walking depression. Well, at least he doesn't have ice in his veins. <laughs> and hate in his heart. Oh. Uh. <laughs> He doesn't have much in his heart, does he? No. Well, <laughs> all right. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to jump ahead on that one subject because Recode published that last week, but that's something they could have written like a month ago or a year ago even. It's just they're ratcheting it up in, in a sense. They're being more aggressive with the push for like pay us or else you won't show up in the news feed. Yeah. And it's just, as far as Facebook is concerned, you basically don't exist. Like in the same way that if you're not on the first page of Google search results, you don't exist. Yeah. Like, very few people go to a, a page's feed 
or wall. I forget what the jargon is, the terminology for that stuff. Yeah, they don't go to an actual site's page. Right. They only see what's in their feed. Exactly. Like, you know, with, like if you liked our page, it'll show up in your feed. You're probably not tapping on Davis and the Jake Man and looking for all the news. You want them curating your feed as little as possible. Right. But I'm still, there's still, I'm sure there's still a lot of curation just because in 24 hours, I see five news stories. Yeah, like I've liked hundreds of pages. I see loads from the Economist, even though they're far from the only page I've liked. It's obviously because the Economist can afford to pay to play. Like they're greasing the palms of Mark, who's then you know forcing me their content. All right. So to get back on track, fifth through the tenth. Uh, aside from the laying of the cables and the Windows Phone stuff, uh, this was one uh, piece of news which you actually covered. Uh, in, in an article, but it's also in my tech news. I feel like it was worth talking about again. That story where uh, a Chrome extension gets installed by a bunch of users. But yeah, every so often there we get a story about uh, Chrome extension that snuck past uh, Google's. You know their their kind of a uh, their vetting process. You know they check out for malware, uh, certain bad permissions and things like that. But uh, let's see. The fake extension actually masqueraded as Adblock Plus, which itself has over 10 million users. Well, it's their own fault. They should have been using uBlock Origin anyway, baby. uBlock, it's a lot better. Yeah, for those who aren't in the know, we actually switched probably a year or two ago once it became, um, once Adblock started getting uh, sponsored ads where it wouldn't block certain domains. Acceptable certain ads. ads. Yeah, acceptable ads. Yeah. That's so, right. pay to play. It yeah, it's a theme. <laughs> it's a theme, yeah. It's why we don't run ads on the websites, because, you know, people who are tech-savvy enough to follow our, our writing are tech-savvy enough to install ad, Adblock. Like, if you want a Venn diagram of people who have Adblock and people who read Davis and the Jake Man, it's just a smaller circle inside of a larger circle. They all have Adblock, every single one, I guarantee you. On the, actually, what's cool is that on iOS, uh, I think with last year's iOS, iOS 10, they added bacon support for for adblock because like this is like a recurring topic for us on this podcast google is the world's largest advertisement dis- distribution network and is also the arch nemesis of apple so if apple allows os level adblock guess who loses money it isn't them it's their competition yeah so i think that's great yeah no that's that's a clever move on their part but um, yeah, in total, about thirty-seven thousand users download the uh, the fake extension. I mean, just the usual things apply. Just be careful what you're downloading. You know, check reviews, check scores. I mean, Google's not infallible. You know, if you're seeing three or four different AdBlock Plus extensions on the Google Play Store, definitely check the histories. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, too, where, you know, whichever platform has the most installs, you know, percentage-wise, is going to be the most common target for attack. Now, on the OS level, that's obviously Windows, but on the browser level, now it's Chrome. Yeah. So, obviously, if you're running Firefox, it's less likely to happen simply because fewer people use Firefox. Yeah, listen, have you ever heard of an, uh, of, of a, uh, what is it, Microsoft Edge malware? Yeah. No. I haven't heard anything about it in the news. Uh-huh. On the one hand, it's like, it is more locked down, actually. But on the other, so fewer people use it. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, it wouldn't make sense. Last week during your presentation, a Microsoft presenter 
had to download Chrome because Edge was crashing. <laughs> yeah, it's not stable. It's just not. I feel like it's been in beta since it came out. Like, I've tried to use it. Part of it's the crashing. Part of it is there's no mobile client. Like, I want my history syncing. I want my bookmark syncing. Like, we, we operate on Chrome for our website. For my personal usage, I use Firefox. Those are both available on mobile and in the desktop. That's very valuable to me. Like, I, I want to be able to have, you know, uh, a list of my sync devices. Like, you can actually push tabs from one device to another. So as I'm switching from my tablet to my cell phone to my desktop, I can continue working or, you know, consuming personal content. I can't do that with Edge because Edge isn't on Android or iOS. It just isn't. I I mean, it's only on Windows 10. It never made it to Windows Phone. No, actually, it was on Windows Phone 10. Oh, was it? Yeah. Strangely, it was way more stable on Windows Phone 10. I think because it wasn't running any of like the uh, x86 code. Yeah. It was all uh, UWP, Universal Windows Platform. Yeah. Gotta love that technical debt. Next. Uh, you want to talk about the SNES Classic? That's more up your alley than it is mine. Alrighty. So, the SNES Classic was hacked. Um, the news story made the rounds around October 8th. But yeah, as is typical, people started trying to hack it the moment it was released. Looks like you can add your own ROMs to the system. Um, the SNES Classic has about, th- was it 21 or so? Yeah, it was less than the NES Classic. The NES Classic had around 30. The SNES has around 20. And yeah, so the SNES Classic was hacked, as you were saying. You can sideload your own ROMs. That's pretty cool. Uh, I still don't get what the big hype is. I mean, I guess it's just nostalgia. Because you can, you can buy like a used laptop for like 40 bucks and run SNES and NES games on it. Yeah, and the other thing is, I mean, you can get like a Raspberry Pi and make like an arcade cabinet out of it or something. There's plenty of how-tos on the, on the web. I think it's mostly for the nostalgia and for just the collector's value of it. I want the controller, actually. I want to see if there's a way to adapt that Wii nunchuck to USB. Because mm-hmm. I would love to plug two of these into a laptop. Because, like, they're official Nintendo, Super Nintendo controllers that aren't, like, 20 year- years old. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that. if it weren't for this, that would be hard to come by. Yeah. And I feel like the the consoles themselves are going to be harder to find than just the paddles. Right. So you could probably pick up two two paddles at retail, uh, and then like adapt them for use on a PC. Right. But I mean, the main factors between this thing's selling power are the nostalgia, the collector, the you know the collectivity. It's just these things are hard to get. Nintendo is is supposed to manufacture a lot more of them. Then they did the NES Classic. They're also re-releasing the NES Classic. Oh, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. Should have made it into your tech notes, Davis. It should have. <laughs> but I I slept in and then you slept in and yeah. Jeez, the way you talk, you'd make it make it sound like we don't take this seriously and we're just bums. <laughs> hey, we're fully employed bums. Well, I'm a I'm a part time bum. Fine, I'm a full time bum. <laughs> <laughs> I think that sounded worse. Uh there's, I don't want, no, BestBuy.com. I don't want the Insignia anything, especially not the Insignia and NES Classic controller. Which is like an Insignia Insignia. It's just a patch you can put on your pants or something. <laughs> and that's one of those things where it's like so bad it's good. It's like ironic Insignia patch. Well, I'm so hipster. Alright, so it looks like you can't get uh, the official one. 
All right, next on the agenda, Tech News, 11th through the 23rd. This was one of those times where we just skipped a week. And this is actually both of our Tech News here. Here's a good place to start. This uh, Android Instant Apps, which is a service that Google has in its Play Store. Uh, you know, it's been talked about for a couple months now. But there's a new feature in the Play Store, which is going to bring it front and center. There's now a Try Now button for certain apps. So instead of having to locally install it, what you can do is you can uh, run it in a virtual environment and then see if you like it or not. So if you've got an LTE connection or you're on Wi-Fi, I think it's pretty cool, you know? It yeah. also brings added security benefits too. Let's say the app is somehow malicious in nature. It's installed on Google servers, not your phone, so who cares? Well, I, I, I would hope that Google cares, but... Well, as we were just talking about, they don't always vet things as well as they ought to. Right, but the thing is, it looks like you have to... They have to support the feature. I yeah. don't think malicious apps are going to take the time to... Well, yeah, but it's one of those things where, like, if something... If a... I mean, that... What's the word that, for it? That try now button would be another round of credibility. Yeah. You know, it... Oh, that's another stage of vetting they have to go through. Okay, an otherwise benign app that gets hijacked, you know, where, like, what was it? Was it Adblock? Or what was the extension that you wrote about last month? So they, like, had the credentials for the developers themselves, right? Yep. So that, so, like, what I'm saying is that could presumably happen with an app that's already been approved for, for try now. Yeah, perfectly viable. I mean, you've got an established user base, you push out an update with malicious code... And that sweet, sweet Jitcoin. <laughs> That's right. He's going to come rolling in, baby. And I'll buy my own botnet. From you. You're uh, the only one who takes it. And to the Jake man. From Jake man. Love Jake man. Well, I guess you could just ping Google over and over again with your with your iPad there. Oh, yeah, because cause they, they don't have like a farm or anything. <laughs> and they would, I, would just, I would just be pinging a client OS. They have, they have it virtualized. They have loads of instances. They have a virtual farm on a physical server, and they have farms of physical servers with farms of virtual servers. You don't even know, man. It's Bot Davis and the Cyborg Man, or whatever I was saying. Whatever you were saying. They're coming for our jobs. <laughs> oh, so here's something you've been harping on about for a while, and I think you have feels on this one. After Equifax hack, calls for big changes in credit reporting industry. Go on. Equifax. <laughs> oh my God! They were warned weeks before that they were that they were being attacked, and that they left these hole these security holes open. They didn't patch in time. Tons and tons of information was stolen. Like every other U.S. adult has their information out there. Literally, you know, half of the adult population in the U.S has their credentials out there somewhere. Their full information, names, phone numbers, addresses, social security numbers, credit history. It's just a crazy amount of information out there for the taking, and there's going to be a huge rise in identity thefts. Excuse me. Now, the, there was another thing, um, Equifax, like top members of Equifax, right before they announced the breach, sold their stock. That's that is no bueno. Uh Hey man, that's how you do a band. If you're not the captain, a band and ship, you know. No, they, they pretty much were the captain. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're not the CEO, 
I mean, if you're just like a major shareholder, you'd be like, eh, whatever. Speaking of lawsuits, uh, Apple is getting sued over the Animoji trademark. I think this is hilarious because it's most, it's the most you know, like trite and asinine feature of the iPhone 10. Like this ridiculous idea where they're going to use this uh, 30,000 point face tracking technology to make you a talking turd. Like it, it, it serves them right. Like that is, if you want to know what comeuppance is, it's this. Like it's just, it's so vapid. It's so shallow. Like they, they, they deserve this. They so deserve this. Good on you, Chinese company suing Apple. Get them for all they're worth, man. All right. So on a uh, lighter note, something near and dear to my heart: the Nokia thirty-three ten coming to U.S. shores. Sick burner phone. Use it to sex the side piece in your life. Very nice $60 uh, feature phone, dumb phone. It's, uh, you know, it's that phone from like a decade ago, but brought back. It comes in yellow, so I'm tempted. Uh, but Because like my, my, my criteria are as follows. Is it yellow? No, then no. Yes, then maybe. Like, that's the tree for how I buy things. It's, it's kind of a binary tree. So, like, the problem with the uh, launch model was that it was 2G. AT&T dropped support for 2G entirely. That's the same reason why the original iPhone won't, won't work in America anymore. Right. It's because it used Edge. And AT&T's, like, lowest bar now is its 3G towers. But look at this. It's cute. Like, t we're both on T-Mobile. We could both use this. Just saying. So, you're like, that's like, uh, that hits you right in the feels if you ever used the original phone that this is based on. You know, if you want to buck the trends and, uh, like, not get on the bandwagon with the whole smartphone revolution, this is a stylish and hip way to, to do it, I, you know, would go as far as to say. Yeah, we're getting, we're going back to single pers purpose devices with these Nokia phones. I mean, you know, if only there was someone to defend these single purpose devices. I make for a good article for a certain IT news website that discusses such topics. Western Digital comes out with these very fast hard disk drives. So you you mentioned this tech uh, in passing when we were talking about the uh, graphics cards. Yeah, because uh, MAMR or um, Microwave Assisted Magnetic Recording is going to be the next big thing for HDDs or hard disk drives, the old spinning platters. But yeah, they are going to be faster. Um, you can also store more on them. Um, currently, consumer uh, consumer grade hard drives can reach like a, a bit over like 10 terabytes if you're willing to spend quite a bit. Like, is this cost prohibitive to go with this MAMR stuff? I feel like it'd be. It's still gonna be a niche product for a while. I don't see it hitting consumer grades for. I don't see it hitting consumers for a few years. Um, anything over 10 terabytes is just crazy for the average person. I mean, you archived God knows how many shows and DVDs and stuff, and you barely hit a terabyte. Yeah. And because this MAMR is still hard disk based, it, you know, there are, there's a greater likelihood of failure than flash storage. Yeah, I mean, I've got two terabyte drives. One of them I haven't even opened the box of. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I, I bought it on clearance like months ago and haven't even opened it. <laughs> Right. And finally, uh, Davis and the Drake Man's Tech News, October 24th through the 30th. 
so uh, I don't know. Let's start things off strong. How about this GameStop game rental program? The thing is, GameStop in the last few years has actually been steadily losing money. Um, they actually announced back in last holiday that they're only that uh, pr- the Switch pretty much saved them. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> the Nintendo Switch pretty much saved them. Well, it's a good thing they had stock on it. I remember I tried to buy a Wii in like 06 and they didn't have any in stock. Man. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I got to use Wii 10 years later for 15 bucks. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, the GameStop Power Pass. Uh, gamers will pay $60 to gain access to half a year of unlimited gaming. So they get to choose from the store selection of pre-owned games and take that title home with them. When they're done, they can swap it out for any other pre-owned game at the store. For, you know, the whole six months. They offered this service at uh, Blockbuster like 12 years ago. Yeah. Like, I, I definitely remember renting and, uh, Dynasty Warriors 3. And uh, Redbox. When I was, like, in junior high, this isn't really new. Yeah, and then you've also got a... I think the closest thing that's still around is Redbox. But there's just something... Now, is there an internet-based component to this uh, Game Pass or whatever it's called? Uh... No, it's no. There's no online. Uh, you have to go into the store and pick up a physical game. It's actually called the Power Pass. Power Pass. Power Pass. Yeah. So since it's physical media only, there's nothing innovative about this at all. I only include it because it's kind of interesting to watch, like the death throes of GameStop. Like it's not going to be around. Mm-hmm. All right. So on the theme of gaming, this Windows True Play stuff has me a little concerned here. I think I might be one of those nutcases that downgrades to Windows Seven. Yeah, or Windows XP Black. Windows, uh, if they still came out with new versions of that each month, I probably would still be on XP Black. But so, uh, True Play is one of their features in the uh, Windows 10 Fall Creators Update. Um, but it's one of the ones that Microsoft doesn't really want to talk about um, because it is an anti-cheating software, um, which you know, no gamers like cheaters, but no gamers like DRM and all that but the fact that it's built natively into windows 10 is a new step because i mean the windows store's biggest um kind of tagline at least to me is the fact that there's the uh, the cross buy if you buy it on windows store you can play it on pc or xbox one you know beyond that i mean they don't have any real must-haves i mean they tried to be exclusive with um i think it was quantum break and the sales for that were, were less than they expected. It looks like it's going to be monitoring any games you play. It's going to be running the processes, kind of uh, kind of sandbox. It's going to be watching your behavior while you play. You know, certain things like overlays, which could be used for cheating. You know, giving you information that you shouldn't have in game. But it's also going to be monitoring other other processes, looking for you know the common stuff like the the cheat tools. The, you know, the packet injections and all kinds of, you know, nefarious things. But it seems like it's not enabled by default right now, but it could lock you out of certain game features. I mean, so far it seems like it's going to be limited to the stuff on the Universal Windows platform. Basically any games you actually buy from the Windows platform. So, you know, in reality, like, no games are going to be affected for now, but... Alright, let's talk articles. We each wrote an article today. How often do we actually say that? We each wrote an article today. The stars aligned. Once every 400 days, Davis and the Jake Man simultaneously write articles. Alrighty then.
one. So who first? Oh, you wrote yours a few hours before I wrote mine. So let's talk about yours first. Alrighty. So Mozilla Firefox is actually going to try and stop uh, browser fingerprinting. That is a process where a um, like an ad firm keeps track of a user not based on cookies which are kind of what everybody thinks tracking is about but they're actually taking a sort of fingerprint of the web browser things like installed fonts installed extensions um you know screen size um screen orientation there's so many different ways they can track you but they're trying to build in um protection from that into firefox uh, version 58 it's an interesting feature they're adding because they're actually borrowing this from uh, the Tor project, which is, you know, kind of the more secure, privacy-minded browser, you know, used by journalists and dissidents all over the world. It, it runs on the ESR, too. Right. It runs the more secure, older version of Firefox. Right. But then they add in their own security features atop the more stable version of Firefox. Right. So, I mean, it's it's... It's another step of tra tracking protection, but, you know, it's not going to protect you from, you know, a state-sponsored actor or, you know, a guy on your Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah, like if uh, if Davis is secretly working for the country of Georgia and the state of Georgia. <laughs> and George. And, and Jorge. <laughs> I've got your cookies. <laughs> I'm a big proponent of what Firefox is doing. Like, they're fighting the good fight, you know? Their new rendering engine is out of beta soon. Oh. Yeah, I've been using the beta just to try it out. It's so much faster, dude. It blows Chrome out of the water. And I'm on a hardwired connection, too, so, like, the in internet isn't, uh... A factor. It isn't, like, a bottleneck, right? All right, so w while you wrote something security-based, I wrote something market-based. Who would have thought? Uh, the article I wrote that same day, today, November the 2nd, is uh, Amazon goes all in with updated Kindle Oasis, a battle on two fronts against Kobo and Apple. Like right before Halloween, Amazon updated its super high-end e-reader. Uh, we were joking before we started recording that you can't even see it in stores. Like the display models at places such as Walmart and Best Buy don't even show this unit because so few people are going to buy it that it's not worth the shelf space. They've ditched the plastic that all other e-readers employ. It's got an aluminum chassis. It does have that flush display so the bezels and the screen line up, a la a smartphone. Uh, last year's model had that too. The Kobo Aura, which I've reviewed for the site and owned. Uh, own present tense. I actually didn't sell it for once. It's great. I mean, you know, it has pocket support, as does Firefox. Uh... But the real downside, as I mentioned in my piece, is the sort of walled garden that Amazon uh, is trying to lure you into. Like, it's hoping that you've already installed the Amazon app on your smartphone, or you have a Kindle Paperweight, or one of those non-backlit Kindles that go for like 60 bucks. The problem is, you don't own it. You're really renting it. If you buy your eBooks from someone like Adobe, Nook, or Kobo, like you, you own that copy, that EPUB file, and you can take it with you. If you choose to cease doing business with that company, you can bring those files elsewhere. You can store them on your own cloud account, on your local drive. Uh, with Amazon, you can't do that. It's all stored in their cloud, their proprietary cloud, and you you can't back up your eBooks bought through Amazon. I, I think that's horrible. 
It's really you. It's like it's like you're paying to rent. You're paying full price to rent a book. It's the worst of both worlds. You don't own it, and you're paying because the thing is, there was a big buzz when e-readers first came out that oh, it's gonna be it's gonna cost so much less because we don't have to print the physical books, we don't have to buy them, etc. But they're charging almost full price. Yeah, because the profit margin is higher. Exactly. It, it's just more money in Amazon's bank account. That money goes to Jeff Bezos, not Davis and the Jake Man. The hardware on the Kindle is better. There's no getting around it. The hardware on my Kobo is great because it's a trade-off. Do you want good hardware and the right to own your media? Or do you want some DRM proprietary BS and the best hardware? We buy things off of Amazon. We buy our bucks off of Amazon. We have only ourselves to blame. So on that depressing note, that was episode 13 of Davis and the Jake Man, monthly podcast hosted by two certified computer technicians. This website is accompanied by our website, davisandthejakeman.com, where we continue the discussion of subjects of note in the IT industry. Join us for episode 14 when we discuss the tech news from the month of November. Awkward silence. Awkward silence.